Well, good morning, Lighthouse Baptist Church. So glad to see all of you today. I'm going to start us with a word of prayer real quick. God, thank you so much for your scripture. God, your word is a lamp to our feet and it's a light for our path, dear God. God, I pray this prayer for all of us. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it, God. There are so many more reasons today to rejoice than there are to be sad. But God, the only reason that stands above every reason is that we have you with us today, God. God, we know that even though we can't see you, you are sitting with us at church today, God. So I pray that you would speak your word to us today, that you would speak through me, that you would guide us by your Holy Spirit. And God, we love you and we thank you. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Okay. So we're still on our series on David. So last week we looked at how David was in the cave and he spared Saul's life. But now, that was in 1 Samuel. Now we're all the way to 2 Samuel. We're all the way in 2 Samuel chapter 9. So our scripture today is 2 Samuel 9, verse 1 through 11. And as you're turning there, I want to give you some background before we jump into this text. Because a lot has happened since our last text last week. So since last week, Paul, I mean, not Paul, Saul has gone out to battle and Saul has died in battle. Not only has Saul died in battle, but all of his sons died in battle. So who is David's best friend? Jonathan. Jonathan was David's best friend, and Jonathan was a huge reason, reason that David is even alive. And why is that? Because Jonathan made a covenant with David because they both loved each other. And Jonathan said, when you become king, do not eliminate the house of Saul. So do not get rid of our house. Now, why would he have to worry about that? Why would they make that covenant? Well, when there's a king, who becomes the next king? Their son. But if somebody else from another house becomes king, well, then they're not related to them. So what do they do with all of their family members? Kill them. So even though Jonathan is of the house of Saul, he says, I'm going to help you because my father's trying to kill you. And when you come into your kingdom, as I know you will, do not forget my family. Show kindness to my family. Do not wipe out our house forever. So now in this passage, David's best friend, Jonathan, is dead. But, starting in verse 1, we hear what David said. It says, And David said, Is there still anyone left of the house of Saul that I may show him kindness for Jonathan's sake? Now there was a servant of the house of Saul whose name was Ziba. And they called him to David, and the king said to him, Are you Ziba? And he said, I am your servant. And the king said, is there not still someone of the house of Saul that I may show the kindness of God to him? Ziba said to the king, 
There is still a son of Jonathan. He is crippled in his feet. The king said to him, Where is he? And Ziba said to the king, He is in the house of Machir, the son of Amiel at Lodabar. Then King David sent and brought him from the house of Machir, the son of Amiel at Lodabar, and Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, son of Saul, came to David and fell on his face and paid homage. And David said, Mephibosheth. And he answered, Behold, I, I am your servant. And David said to him, Do not fear, for I will show you kindness for the sake of your father Jonathan. And I will restore to you all the land of Saul, your father, and you shall eat at my table always. And he paid homage and said, What is your servant that you should show regard for a dead dog such as I? Then the king called Ziba, Saul's servant, and said to him, All that belonged to Saul and to all his house I have given to your master's grandson. And you and your sons and your servants shall till the land for him and shall bring in the produce that your master's grandson may have bread to eat. But Mephibosheth, your master's grandson, shall always eat at my table. Now Ziba had 15 sons and 20 servants. Then Ziba said to the king, According to all that my lord the king commands his servant, so will your servant do. So Mephibosheth ate at David's table like one of the king's sons. So today we're learning about kindness. We're learning about David's kindness. We've been learning about David's virtues the last few weeks. The first week of our series, we learned about his heart that set him apart to be the king. But now we're looking at why his heart was set apart the way that it was. And one of those reasons was because he showed kindness. Now we're talking about kindness today, but we're not just talking about kindness. We're talking about showing kindness. What does it look like to show kindness? What does it mean to show kindness? Well, this passage has a lot to say to us today about what it means to show kindness. And the first thing that it shows us about kindness is it shows us what kindness asks. What does kindness ask? It asks a question. What is that question? Well, David gives us the answer to that question. What did David say at the beginning of this passage? He said, is there anyone from the house of Saul, who I can show kindness to for Jonathan's sake? Now, that word kindness, when we look in the Hebrew, that Hebrew word is hesed. Now, hesed can mean kindness. It can mean goodness. It can mean faithfulness. So what does that mean that David is asking? He even asked, is there anyone I can show the kindness, the hesed of God to? That's what kindness asks. Is there anyone that I can show the goodness of God to? Now, if we're going to be kind, that is a question that we're going to be asking. Who can I show God's goodness to today? And the fact that David asked that question, what does that show us about kindness? Well, if I asked you, what is kindness? A lot of you would probably think kindness 
is a way of feeling about people. You know, I feel kind towards people, and so I'm nice to them. Or kindness can be a feeling. I can feel kind towards somebody. But the fact that David is not asking, who can I feel kind about? But the fact that he's asking, who can I show kindness to? It leads us to believe what? It leads us to believe that kindness is more of a decision than it is a feeling. Kindness is something that we can choose. And a lot of times, we're not kind. And the reason we're not kind is because we don't feel like being kind. Now, what do I do in order to guard against that? Well, something that's helped me that I think will help you is before I go into any social setting at all, before I talk to anybody, you can be pretty much guaranteed that before I talk to you, I've already prayed this prayer. Whenever I talk to people, I pray, God, please help me to be loving and kind to this person. Now, why am I praying that prayer? Because a lot of times I don't feel kind. A lot of times I feel tired. A lot of times I feel exhausted. But I know that I need God's help to show kindness. And I'm not going to depend on feelings. Because if I do depend on feelings, those are like waves. They come and they go. But when I pray for kindness, it means that I'm choosing kindness. When I say, God, please help me to be kind, it means that I'm doing what David did. It means that I'm saying, God, who can I show your goodness to today? God, please help me to show your goodness regardless of how I feel, regardless of my circumstances, regardless of how my day's going, regardless of how the other person is treating me. No, who can I show God's kindness to, period? The end. Kindness is a feeling, but it's more of a choice. And if you want to be kind, and if you value kindness, and if you want to have a heart like David's heart that showed kindness, it starts by asking what kindness asks. Who can I show the goodness of God to today? We won't be kind unless we're asking that question. So kindness asks, who can I show the goodness of God to today? But what does kindness do? Well, kindness, in order to answer this question, when Mephibosheth is brought before David, David says, Mephibosheth. And Mephibosheth says, Behold, I am your servant. And David says, Do not fear. Now, why would David need to tell Mephibosheth to not fear? Well, because like we talked about earlier, he's part of Saul's family. For all he knows, he's being called in, yeah, to be executed, to be killed. This is the end of his life. But David says, do not fear because I feel kind. No, because I'm showing kindness to you today. I'm restoring your house to you. I'm restoring your land to you. You get to live today. And not only that, you get to eat at the king's table. David knows that kindness is an action. We don't just feel kindness, we show kindness. And 
Even the New Testament talks about this. In the book of James, what does the book of James say in chapter 2? It says, if a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warned and filled, without giving him the things needed for the body, what good is that? That's what the book of James asks. It says, if somebody is in need of help, if somebody needs to be shown God's goodness, and you tell them, go and enjoy God's goodness, but don't actually show it to them, don't actually help them, well, then that does not actually do them any good. And if David just feels kind feelings towards Mephibosheth, that doesn't do Mephibosheth any good. And that does not honor the covenant that David made to Jonathan to show kindness to his family. No, kindness is an action. Kindness can't be shown unless it is actually something that we do. Now, I could give you a, a long list of kind acts, but I don't think I need to do that. And I think if I did do that, we would limit ourselves to those acts. No, kindness is something that we can do based on our circumstances, based on the situation that we're in, whether it's financially, whether it's something big, whether it's something as small as opening the door for somebody. How many of you have had somebody open a door for you that showed kindness, that lifted your spirits up, and that's such a small thing. And to whoever did it might have thought, this is not a big deal. But for you, it probably was a big deal. So kindness can be big, it can be small. David showed kindness in a big way in this situation. But let's not limit our kindness. But let's also not just make kindness based on feelings. Because I promise you, if you make kindness based on feelings, You'll only be kind to people that are kind to you. And you won't be kind to people who need kindness the most. I'm guessing if somebody is not kind to you, they are at a very low level of kindness, and your kindness can help them. David, in the very next chapter, we're not going to read it, but David showed kindness to a man whose father died. And what did his father do? Or what did this man do who lost his father? He went to war against David, even though David showed him kindness. So I'm not saying kindness is a magic trick that when you do it, people will receive it well and change their attitudes and be nice. But when David was fought against for it, or when David heard somebody say, who am I that you would show me this kindness? He still showed kindness because God's goodness is not dependent on our actions. No, God's goodness exists at all times, no matter what. And so, when Mephibosheth said, Behold, I am your servant, what did David say? David said, Behold, I am also your servant. And that's what kindness says. It says, You may be my servant, but I'm serving you too. Even the king at the height of his power, says to a man who is powerless to even walk on his own, to a man who is powerless to pose any threat to David at all, David says, I'm still serving you. I still love you, and I'm still kind to you. Not because you earned it, not because you were good enough for it, but because I felt God's kindness, his goodness, 
And I've asked, who can I show God's goodness to today? And you are who I can show God's goodness to today, Matthew Boshet. So we see what kindness asks and we see what kindness does, but where does kindness lead? What direction does kindness take us? Well, kindness leads us together. It leads us closer. Can you think of anybody that you're close to that never showed you any kindness? No, everybody that you're close to in your life, you're partly close to them because they were kind to you. Now, where I asked the question, where does kindness lead? And I said the answer is together. Now, that's literally true in this passage. Where did Matthew Boshev end up? He ended up at David's table to eat dinner. He even eventually, at the end of our passage, we didn't look at it, but in verse 13 it says Matthew Boshev moved to Jerusalem. He just lived there. And David served him food every day to have a meal. And did he just sit there all alone? No. It says he, had, he was treated like one of the king's sons. In other words, kindness can lead us from being total strangers to being like family. It reminds me of a story that I heard just this week. In Tennessee, there's a little third grade boy named Daniel Hunt. Now, Daniel, I learned, went through something that nobody should have to go through. Daniel and his family, their house caught on fire and it burned to the ground and everything they owned was gone, and all of Daniel's toys burned. Daniel and his family had absolutely nothing. And they had to move in with a family member until they get back on their feet. Now, when Daniel's friends in school heard this, what did they do? They started, secretly, they started a toy drive for Daniel. And so one day, Daniel walked into class and said, whoa! Because he looked at the table and he saw all these toys. And they said, these are all for you, Daniel. These are all your toys. Your classmates made sure that you got to have toys. Were his classmates feeling kindness? Yes. But more than that, they were showing kindness. And Daniel said that his mind was blown that people would actually do that for him. And his mom said that she cried for 30 to 45 minutes at work when she learned about it. And the news report said that Daniel knows that he can feel safe at school because he has a support system that is like family. Now at one point these kids didn't know Daniel. They're not blood-related, they're not family, but now, because of kindness, because of showing kindness, they're like family. They all, after this, what did all his classmates do? They circled around him and they hugged Daniel. They were all led together. Kindness leads us together. It leads us to the same table and it can bring us together. Now, being kind, like I said, will not always guarantee that somebody will be close to you, but I can tell you this, without kindness, you won't be close to anybody. Kindness is absolutely pivotal and necessary for any good relationship that you have in your 
Why? Now, David said, who can I show God's goodness to today? He said, I want to show God's goodness. How can I show God's goodness? Now, David said that thousands of years ago, didn't he? But how can we know that we have seen God's goodness? Well, when you turn to the New Testament, you meet someone named Jesus. Jesus is how God shows us his goodness. We see God's goodness most clearly when God in the flesh is walking around healing the blind and the lame. We see God's goodness most clearly when God in the flesh is sitting down at tables with people who nobody else will sit with. We see God's kindness most clearly when he is teaching the people who are just fishermen. They're not esteemed to be considered teachable people. Even the women who people said, you can't teach women, Jesus taught them. He was constantly not just feeling kindness, but showing kindness. And the most clear sign of God's kindness ever was when God did what? When he sent his son to the cross in our place. No other kindness in our life has ever been as great or ultimate as that kindness. Paul talks about it in Titus chapter 3, verse 3 through 7. You can turn there if you want. Titus chapter 3, verse 3 through 7. But notice that when Paul says this, it correlates almost perfectly to the passage that we're reading about kindness. So let's look through it. Paul says, For we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another. Is that where it ends? No. The Bible doesn't end there. The Bible keeps going. But we have to read that to see that do we deserve kindness? No. We don't deserve kindness. And Mephibosheth said, I don't deserve kindness. But that wasn't the end for Mephibosheth, and it wasn't the end for us either. Because what does it go on to say? It says, but when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, he did what? He saved us. What is the goodness and loving kindness? kindness of God, Jesus. And it says when Jesus appeared, he saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ, our Savior, so that being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. So in other words, even though we don't deserve to be with God, God went to ultimate lengths, even to the length of going to the cross, even to the point of death, so that we could be with him. I think a good way to understand this, I don't have the picture of it with me, so I'm just going to describe it to you. In the 15th century, there was a Russian man who made an icon. And we're not as familiar with icons as Protestants. 
You know, if we were Catholic, we would probably be more familiar with icons. But he made an icon of the Trinity. On this icon is a table. Now, sitting at this table is the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And like I said, we're not very familiar with icons, so nothing would seem very strange to us about this icon. But there is something very strange about this icon, because there's a little piece of glue hanging on the table. Why is there a little piece of glue hanging on the table? Well, it's believed that most likely at one point when this icon was made, a mirror was glued to the table so that when you looked and saw the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit sitting together at the perfect table, you could see yourself sitting at that table in union with God. But why is it that when you look at that table, you can see yourself sitting at that table with God? Well, the reason is because Jesus left that table. Jesus left the perfect table, the presence of the Father and the Holy Spirit to hang on the cross and for the first time ever to say, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And you don't ever have to say, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Because Jesus already said it for you. And Jesus said it for you to show you God's kindness. Just as David invited Mephibosheth to his table, out of his kindness, God invites you to his table out of his kindness towards you. When we see Jesus, we see God's kindness more clearly than ever before because Jesus himself left that table to go to the cross so that you could leave the cross to go to that table. And that is why we can be saved. That is why we can go to the table that we could not have ever gone before. That table did not always have a mirror on it. But because of Jesus, it does have a mirror on it now. You can see yourselves in it. And how should that affect us? The fact that we who don't deserve kindness were shown kindness by God, how should that affect us? What should make us kind and how should it make us kind because because of what Jesus did we can now ask this question who can I show God's goodness to on behalf of Jesus David said who can I show God's goodness to because of Jonathan who loved me now we can ask who can I show God's goodness to because of Jesus who loved me. David said, Jonathan showed me kindness, so I'm going to show kindness. And we can say, Jesus showed me kindness, so now I'm going to show kindness. Jesus performed the ultimate act to show me God's goodness. What does that mean for us today? It means that we can go about through our day saying, I'm going to run into people who don't know about God's goodness. I'm going to run into people who don't know how loved they are by God. And I may feel helpless to let them know about that. But at one point, I didn't know about it. And somebody else's kindness 
showed me God's goodness. Your kindness has that power. You may not realize how powerful your kindness is, but your kindness has the power to show God's goodness. And we don't do it just for ourselves. Now we say, on behalf of Jesus, because of Jesus, and in the power of the name of Jesus, I can show kindness today because Jesus was kind to me. I can be kind. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much that you showed us the greatest kindness everyone, anyone has ever experienced. God, I pray today that even though it, it's hard to look at the cross, God, and, and to see you writhing and gasping for breath on the cross, I pray, God, that we wouldn't just glance over real quick and say, okay, I looked at Jesus. I pray, God, that we would really today focus and picture Jesus on the cross and know that he was doing that out of kindness for us, out of love for us, what Scripture calls loving kindness, God. You've been shown loving kindness like never before in your son Jesus, God. And we're so thankful for that kindness and we're thankful, God, that Jesus didn't stay in the grave but that Jesus rose from the dead and when he rose from the dead, he ascended to sit at the right hand of the Father and he ascended to that perfect table and God, because of your kindness, we can sit at that perfect table we can be with you, God. I pray that we would realize and remember that when we are kind to other people, that we're inviting them to sit with us and with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. People out there don't realize that they're invited to sit with us. And they feel like they have to sit all by themselves, God. But I pray that our kindness would say, just like I was invited to sit at God's table, you're invited to sit at God's table. And not just sit at God's table, but to be treated like and to live as one of the king's children. We love you and we thank you so much, God, for your kindness. Make us kind, dear Lord God. We love you and it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.